This is this is this is the Bottom Bends podcast. Oh yeah! Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bends podcast. Just took a wee week off last week, folks, just to re-energize and and come back into it. And well, really, we didn't want to talk about Man City winning the treble, so um, there you have it. Uh, <laughs> This is going to be the first of our transfer specials this summer. Um, so, to be fair, Connor, you were saying the transfer window actually doesn't open up until the 30th of June, isn't it? Yeah, you can't sign players until the 30th, but you can like, pre-agree and stuff like that. But yeah, you can actually sign them to the 30th. Well, we, we do have a few pre-agree transfers to talk about. We actually have some free agents uh, that we can talk about as well um, in this episode, lads. So... Um, sticking to our normal format then first player we're going to talk about is probably the biggest transfer that, that has happened this summer uh, Lionel Messi has moved to Inter Miami in the MLS they currently sit bottom of their conference so just open it up um, to, to, to the room here lads um, I find this transfer very strange I still think he had a, a couple of good years left in European competition at the very least so just want to get your take on it, lads, then. What, what, do, what do you think about Messi's move to the MLS? Surprising, to be honest. Very surprising. Like, whenever the links kind of first came in about Messi moving to MLS and particularly to Inter Miami, it was all, oh, he's going to move to Inter Miami, but he's going to go on loan to Barcelona for two years and whatever it was. But it's it's worked out that he's, he's joining the MLS, joining the bottom team in the MLS. Um, look, obviously, it comes with... A lot of money. Um, he says he's not going for the money and stuff. Um, and that's look. Even if he was to go for the money, Lionel Messi's had the career and uh, and and he's he's given enough to football to to justify going for money for at the end of his career. Um, but look, he didn't go to Saudi Arabia, which is where I, I thought he was going to go whenever the Barcelona move fell through. Um, but he's went to the MLS, which look and. It, Right now, he won't be getting as much every week in his pay packet, but in the long run, like it, it looks like at the end of the contract and all that, he's going to own an MLS club. Um, and every single MLS club is paying towards Lionel Messi playing in the league and stuff. So in the long run, it'll work out very, very good for him financially. But look... MLS is still a decent standard of football. I agree with you, though, Connor. He could have still played in Europe for at least two, three years, in my opinion. Um, but look, he's, he's obviously looking to wind down his career, and why not do it in, in America, where he is going to be the best player, but not necessarily going to win the league for, for um, Inter Miami just because he's there, which I think people need to realise. Um, but yeah, a, a strange transfer, but one that kind of makes sense as well. Yeah, I'm. To be honest, lad, I'm very much in agreement with you. Um, for, in terms of that financial incentive, I mean, the contract is absolutely crazy, and and fair play to him, really. It just shows the star power that that he still has, and the pull that he that that Lionel Messi still has at the age of thirty five. Um, I actually did an article on him there last week, uh, just talking about this move, and you know he is still in the top two percent, three percent of forwards in Europe and some major categories. Um, progressive carries, uh, dribbles, uh, successful take-ons, expected goals and assists. He, he is still up there in that two to three percent um, category within Europe's top five leagues, which which is the only thing that that sort of is strange to me. You know, this is a player that very much still could have played at the top level in European competition for at least another one to two years. I, I wouldn't expect his 
his fall off to be quite drastic, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you, Warren. I think look, the, the financial incentives within that contract is enough to turn anybody's head. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you that I've seen his stats like last year, as I had said before, like 15 goals, 15 assists. I know it is a per league, but still a top performer at the World Cup. He was the best player at the World Cup. Maybe not, you know, he probably he probably was the best player, him and Mbappe. But uh, the fairy tale story, I thought he was going to go back to Barcelona, you know, maybe challenge for a Champions League. They seem to be becoming a really good team under Xavi uh, and they're making big signings. Uh, and he definitely would have played in that team and improved that team. But I can't blame him. He's kind of done the David Beckham approach. Um, and we're seeing, you know, David Beckham now owns an MLS team, which just shows what a great decision that was. Um, but like Messi's uh, hasn't really got the same personality as Beckham in that way, which surprised me a bit because, you know, he's not out there as much. But it's a lot of money. Uh, he's going to be the best player in that league. Uh, doesn't guarantee, as Owen said, that they're going to win anything. But... I can understand it. I can understand it, especially at this stage. And I think it actually is a smarter option than Saudi Arabia um, because, you know, he's not following Ronaldo. Oh, I'm going to go to Saudi. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go to the MLS and I'm going to be a star there and I'm going to improve that league. So he is 35 and he has such a, he's had such a great career. So fair play to him for going. And uh, I wish I wish he played another few years at Barcelona. It would have been great to see him in the Champions League, but you can't blame the man. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Question for you is lots. Yes. You see, if so, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo's went to Saudi Arabia, and there is a lot of money in the Saudi Arabian league. But now this summer, we're seeing a lot of massive names being linked with, or have already moved to Saudi Arabia. Do you think? Well, obviously, in my opinion, Cristiano Ronaldo has a major impact in that happening. Do you think that the same could happen in the MLS, like we've seen a few years ago? Uh definitely, definitely. I think if. Uh, if Inter Miami went out, like there, there was all that talk that they were trying to get Iniesta, Jordi Alba, Busquets to get the get the band back together. Um, and, and I do think that some players are going to follow suit and move to America this summer, definitely. Especially the, like players that are maybe you know coming towards the back end of their career. Um, I, I think it's a really, really good thing for MLS because he is the type of player that will attract people to watch that league. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that football in America is going to get much, much more popular now mm-hmm. with with Messi in the league. So, I mean, for MLS and for American football, it is it is probably the best move that could have happened uh, to them, especially in this summer window. I see Jordi Alba's saying for them too. Well, there you go. Like it's straight away, you're seeing that poll. You know, people want to play with Messi. People want to play against Messi to to yeah. really appreciate how good of a footballer he is. So I I, I do. I think it's an excellent signing. No, I totally agree. I think um, it will attract players, as you said. Jordi Alba, Busquets is being linked in Iniesta, uh, as we've seen with Ronaldo. You know, Kante is going there. Benzema's went there. Uh, just takes out one player, and it can just transform a league and. You know, America is a good place to live. It's it's probably a better, you know, option for a lot of players that are getting a bit older. So definitely, and he gets to play with Kieran Gibbs. What a, what a matchup that'll be. Unreal. <laughs> and uh, Phil Neville, unlucky, he almost got to manage him. Eight days. All he had to do was stick it out for now eight days and he had got to manage Lionel Messi. It would have been such a great link up, I think. Well, look, it is definitely, uh, it, it's definitely a massive, massive thing and, and, and one that we will be, Looking out for um, next season in the MLS. So, 
Moving on then, lads, back to Premier League football. Uh, biggest transfer of the summer um, so far um, in the Premier League. Uh, definitely Alexis McAllister making the switch from Brighton to Liverpool. Uh, crazy to think that it's only going to cost Liverpool £35 million because of McAllister's release clause. Um, again, another player I, I, I did an article on looking at those stats and, and in some of those uh, progressive stats and line-breaking stats, McAllister was in the in the top 2% of players within Europe's top five leagues. So they've obviously acquired a very, very special player. So again, lads, just opening it up, what's the signing of McAllister going to do for Liverpool? Well, we've talked about Liverpool enough all year about how dreadful their midfield's been this season. Um, and McAllister was probably one of the highest performing midfielders in the Premier League last year. Um, he's definitely a ball carrier more than anything. Um, but he, he's not afraid to do the hard yards as well. And I think that's exactly the type of player that Jurgen Klopp needs and wants in his team. And if there's any manager in the Premier League that can nurture talent, it's, it's Jurgen Klopp, let's face it. Um, and as you say, £35 million. Pound. Like, he's a World Cup winner. And he, he's just secured European football for the first time ever in Brighton's history. He, he knows what he's at. And that's a bargain. It's, it's an absolute steal. It could end up being a steal of the summer. We'll have to wait and see, of course. Um, but it's not... Look, it's it's not done there, in my opinion. I, I like Don't get me wrong. I think Alexis McAllister walks straight into Liverpool's midfield. But I think anybody could really walk into Liverpool's midfield at the current moment in time. I think they need at least two or three more signings at midfield to really show how good McAllister is because he's not going to walk into that midfield with Jordan Henderson and Fabinho. I passed it Fabinho now. And, you know, us all the problems solved, they need to buy at least two more midfielders, three midfielders that can help him out and, and properly show his qualities and get that midfield running again and ticking again like it was for the last three, four, five years. Yeah, definitely, lad. Definitely. I, I really, really agree. I don't think McAllister is the, the sole um a solution to, to Liverpool's midfield problem but he is definitely a key piece and he will go a long way into solving some of their midfield problems um, I don't think McAllister I think if, if Liverpool fans think that McAllister is going to be the, the goal-getting midfielder the assist-getting midfielder I'm not quite so sure that, that, that that's the player that they're getting I think he is more um, a Klopp-style midfielder you know, very hard-working just like you said, Owen can put the hard yards in Yes, can chip in with goals and assists, but I don't think that's the primary thing that, that Liverpool are buying McAllister for. I think they are buying somebody, a body to come in there, carry the ball, put the defensive hard yards in, and, and mm-hmm. almost be like a, a supplement midfielder, because I still think they're going to go out and try and sign you know, a, a progressor, a goal-getter. Um, yeah. So so I, I, I do agree with you in that sense, Oren, yeah. No, definitely. Uh, I think it's a steal, really, £35 million. Um, for a 24-year-old, I would agree with the the goals as well and assists. You know, he got 10 goals to assist, but six of them were penalties. Um, but he does bring a lot of energy to the team. He's versatile. He can attack. He can defend. He's an accurate passer of the ball, 87%. I've seen he carries the ball, as Oren said. Um, he's really good on the ball. I, I'd agree they need more than him uh, in midfield, which is their biggest weakness. Uh, but even for like Argentina in the World Cup, he was really impressive. I uh, seen like he was like he won the ball back second most times for Argentina. He created the third most uh, chances. He's just a, he's just a good all round player and a player that I would have loved to have seen at Man United. Uh, but one that's just probably just going to get better and better. And with Jurgen Klopp, 
as you were saying, um, he just improves everybody. He kind of like Wijnaldum kind of player, maybe, you know, they haven't really replaced Wijnaldum since he's left. Uh, and I've seen as well, like in midfield, he, he's got like one of the highest duel rates for winning the ball back, which is yeah. something you wouldn't really like associate with him, to be honest. But he was higher than any other Liverpool player except for Thiago, but Thiago's been injured most of the year, so he's only played like 10 games. So, really, really good player and one that uh, I think will turn out to be a bargain. Yeah, definitely, lad. I, I completely agree. I think Wijnaldum, the, the way you've just said that, Wijnaldum is, is like, he, he is sort of that Wijnaldum replacement. I think he will do a similar job to what Wijnaldum did at Liverpool. So, I, I completely agree with you. Um, so, moving it on then, um, Leicester obviously relegated on the final day of the season and they're doing a massive clear out at the minute, getting ready for their season in the championship. So Yuri Tielemans, one of their star midfielders, has moved to Aston Villa um, and, and on a free transfer. You would have to say, excellent deal for Aston Villa. It's going to come right in, slot straight into that, that start in 11 at Villa. Quality, quality midfielder. And really on a free, I, I don't think there's much better alternatives in the market than Yuri Tielemans. Yeah, it's a, it's a super signing on a free transfer. But I, I am quite interested. Do, do you think he does walk into that midfield? Oh, 100%. Or 100%. I, like, I, I, do, I do think he is. He can play that John McGinn role 100%. Yeah. No, I fully agree. And in terms of quality and in terms of ability, I think he's the best midfielder already. However, it'll just be interesting to see what Emery goes with. Of course, a full pre-season is going to be brilliant. Getting him in early was brilliant because I'd say a lot of Europe's top top clubs were were sniffing about him. Um, but he he's playing European football now with with Aston Villa under a fantastic manager. Um, I w- I will be interested just to see if um he starts every single game. I do think he will eventually come into the team a hundred percent, and I think he has the ability. As I say, I just think maybe at the start of the season anyway that Emery might. You know, stick to what he what was working for him towards the end of the season. Um, yeah. If if any midfielder was to really come out, I agree it would be it would be John McGinn because I don't think you could replace Douglas Louise or Jacob Ramsey in that midfield. Um, but on a free transfer, superb signing, absolutely superb signing. Sure, when we were talking when we done our free transfer episodes, we were saying Arsenal, we were saying Man United, Liverpool, and look the dark horse Aston Villa has came in and, and, and snooped him from everybody's noses and it could turn out, well, not even that it could turn out, it will turn out to be an absolute brilliant piece of business because he can't go wrong, it's a free transfer. Yeah, absolutely, lad, absolutely. Like, free transfer, you're you're taking no financial hit there, like, other than his wages, obviously, but, like, it is, it, it, it's going to be a good signing for Villa no matter what. He is Premier League proven. He's Premier League quality, we know that. Um. I'm very glad that you mentioned Louise and Ramsey because I do think that with Telemans in there, that's a very strong midfield three. Um, really, a, a midfield three that, that could be competing for Europa League football next season. I, I have no doubt about it. I, I do just think they're still just a weak quality level off Champions League uh, just yet. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're a very rich owner. There's no reason why in, in a few seasons' time you know, they couldn't push for that. But... Listen, on a free transfer for a player as good as Telemans, both on the ball and the off the ball work that, that he, he gives Aston Villa, I think it's an absolutely phenomenal signing. No, de- definitely. Um, they kind of done it so quickly as well. So 
it will give him time pre-season uh, under Emery. And we've seen with that midfield, all them players, we mentioned it every week, that, uh, you know, like McGinn, Douglas Louise, Ramsey, even Kamara, they all improved once he came into the club. Uh, and Tillemans obviously didn't have the best season last year, uh, but he is a really, really good player. And he's, you know, he's really good at getting the ball forward and he, he can score a goal. Uh, I've seen, like Brendan Rogers said, he was kind of like a coach on the pitch. Um, he can kind of pick out them passes that a lot of players can't, uh, which is probably why he's an upgrade on John McGinn. He also defensively will help. Uh, I've seen that uh, they were saying that kind of his weakness is his physicality, that indeed he going, dropping in form damaged him because it didn't really give him the license to go forward as much. But I think with players like Douglas Louise there, uh, that will give him the license to go forward. And I'd highly expect him to have a big, big year. And it just shows that it is important to get that European football because it will attract players like Tillemans to your club. And as we said, you know, Villa have such rich owners. I can only see them, you know, going back into the transfer window and improving in positions, especially in the forward line. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And Tillemans is such a massive draw that that he 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 will probably be the the catalyst for more players to move to Villa. But sticking with Villa lads, um, something that I find very very strange, and I'm I'm sure we can have a good chat about this. Aston Villa released Ashley Young. Um, yeah. I, I I for me this baffled me because this was a guy who started a lot of games for Aston Villa this season, and to be honest was actually quite good this season, was a, was a mm-hmm. big part as to why they achieved Conference League football, played fantastic under Emery. So really, the question I'm asking these lads is, why, why have they let Ashley Young be released? Um, no, just with Ashley Young, yeah. I was kind of surprised at that because he had been at Aston Villa for a while. He had that experience at top, top clubs. Uh, I know they brought in, it was a Moreno. In the left back, uh, Matty yeah. Cash and right back, they yeah. do have some good players. It is obvious they must be looking to go a bit younger, um, into the transfer window. I know they had ta- uh, Target as well, didn't they? He's on loan though at Newcastle. He he might come back. They, yeah, they do have some good players in that position, and I think like it is it is a surprising one. As Oren was saying, he put him as you know his best older player in the league, and I couldn't argue with that. He was, he was really good last season, but under Emery, you can't really you know. With Emery's great results and all, you can't really challenge him in that way. Maybe just thought it's time for a change. We're just going to go a different route. Yeah, so basically, Ashley Young. I think, as Connor said, it's going to be like a change of culture in the club. I think that's the only. That's my only logical. Excuse me. That's my only logical explanation of him being released. Um, because he performed well this season. You know what you're going to get with Ashley Young as well. You're going to get a solid seven out of ten performance every single week, despite his age. Like it's ridiculous. He's class. Um, and I do think he goes to an our Premier League club unless he goes to Italy or maybe even he goes to MLS or something. You never know. But I think he, he still has the ability to play in the Premier League anyway. Um, but yeah, when they brought in that fella Morano, and they brought him in initially on loan from Real Betis, he slotted straight in and he was absolutely fabulous. And the only reason I can see Ashley Young being released is that they've got another person coming in in the next couple of weeks. They have to have a they have to have a replacement because that is big boots to fill, especially at Aston Villa, a club like Aston Villa, where Ashley Young's history, let alone his performance the last season, is so major in that club in that club in that club's recent history. Anyway, um, it's big boots to fill, so they must have somebody lined up to come in. If they don't. It'll be interesting to see how, how they fill them shoes in the summer. 
yeah, definitely, definitely. It was it was just one of those things when I seen it, it did just baffle me a bit. But I mean, the way you two have, have, have described it there, I, I do understand it a wee bit more now. But again, I just I, I always think if a player you know proves his worth, I, I think it's worth signing them on another one year deal. But look, who knows? Who knows? Um, anyway, lads, moving on then, um, to Crystal Palace. Connor, going to talk about a player that, that you have, have had a lot of positive things to say about, especially last season. Jefferson Lerma left Bournemouth. He signed for Crystal Palace. He, you would have to say, guys, really comes into that Palace midfield and, and just makes them stronger. Yeah, definitely. 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 Go ahead, yeah. No uh, yeah, I'd spoken about him. I think it was the uh, transfer one we done on the free agents. And, you know, he, he is a top, top player. And a key reason why Bournemouth stayed in the league Uh I thought I actually thought he would have got a better club, to be honest, than Crystal Palace. Uh, obviously, Crystal Palace. I don't know. Is, is um, Hudson staying on? Then I'm not 100 percent on that. It seems like he is going to stay on. That yeah, a I, new manager. I, I don't I even think, think the team knows if he's staying on. That. Yeah, that's yeah. A good, that is a question I want to know because, like, obviously, they must have said something to Lerma because I, I thought he. I th- honestly thought he could have done better. Like as I thought, I linked them. I think it was to like a West Ham maybe, or, you know, even like a top eight side. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's going to go to, he's obviously going to be in London, which is an, obviously an attraction. Uh, a really, really good player, obviously last season. He came to Bournemouth five years. He played, He obviously they got relegated. He played really well in the championship. You know, he was 25 million. To get him on a free is an absolute steal. Uh, and... Uh, I just I will definitely improve that midfield. I thought the midfield for Palace last year. I know it is it is aging, so it is it is a massive player to get in. And again, it just open it up to you, lads. I just thought he was going to get a better club, to be honest. Well, in all seriousness, Connor, right? Like, do you think right? So you look at Lerma, you look at Lisa as a like Lisa form of his life as a form of his life. I know it looks like Zaha might leave in the summer, but if they recruit well. Could, could you could could you see Palace like let's say Hodgson stays on they, they stay in the same form that they were in there at the end of the season could yeah. could you see Palace maybe challenging those sort of top eight spots? I just don't see it to be honest. Even like if you look at it, like Chelsea's going to improve and they came below. They came like twelfth. Uh, I think the top six, and we're talking about Aston Villa. They came. Did they come seventh? And, uh, seventh, yeah, yeah. And they're going to improve. I, I just don't see where, how they're going to break into the top eight. I actually they're going to lose Aha, which is going to be massive. Um, and then you know, Elise and obviously, as they are really, really good players, but they would need to play unbelievably like they were playing like IU up top. It, it is just going to depend on who else they buy in the transfer window if they're going to spend the money or they're going to keep Roy on. I just I just don't see Palace honestly. I, I think they'd be lucky to get top 10 because Brentford are um, really good, Fulham are decent, you know, Chelsea's going to improve. They're they're all the teams around them so. Honestly, 12th, 13th again is where I think they'll finish. Yeah, yeah. It is definitely an interesting one. What about you, Oren, then? What, what what do you think about Lerma? I think it's a good signing for Paulus. Um I, I do agree with what you're saying, Dorman. I, I feel he could have got a better club. But then again, like, Crystal Palace is an upgrade on Bournemouth. And I suppose at this stage, yeah. Jeff and Lerma was just looking for an upgrade on where he was at. Because um, always you would have just stayed at Bournemouth. Um, it's 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 so odd. You see my perception of the Premier League. It has changed so much in the last couple of weeks, especially since West Ham won that Conference League. Like West Ham were fighting relegation all season, 
and the one European competition. Like, I fully think Austin Villa is going to slap every single team in that Conference League next year, to be 100% honest. Yeah, so do I. So do I. And I think, like, Jefferson Lerma, he was brilliant for Levante before he came to Bournemouth, as you said. Uh, Dorma, done really well for Bournemouth. I think he's still only 27 or 28. He's, he's still on the, he's on the right side of 30 anyway. Um, so he still has a good few years in the Premier League before he probably will go back to Spain or back to Colombia or whatever. Um, look, I, I do. Th- to be honest, I do think it's a really, really good move for him and for Palace because in terms of progression anyway. As you say, all them star players in midfield, yes, they're going to lose Zaha to which looks like PSG at the minute, which is mad. Um, well, no, I never doubted him, by the But Alice, you know, as a Lerma, and then their player of the year this year was Czech de Curry. Yeah, de Curry, um, yeah. So both of them, that, that's a that's a formidable partnership in, in holding midfield, in my opinion. Um so you never know. It could be a dark horse in terms of conference league, anyway. But top six can't see it. Yeah, look, it's it, it is going to be one of those ones that's interesting to see. Look, we know how we know what Lerma can do in the Premier League, um, and I do think him and Dukure beside each other is going to be a really, really, really good partnership. One of those ones that, like you think, lads, like they have Gehi and uh, Anderson as two centre backs, mm-hmm. and really both of those two players could be playing at top 10 Premier League sides, yeah. no, no, no problem to either of them. So I do think Palace are sneakily building a really sort of strong team. But again, it will just depend on, on the rest of, of, of their recruitment um, over the summer. But anyway, lads, moving on then to uh, Brighton, where they have signed Joe Pedro and Mohamed Dahoud. Now, I know there, there have been strong links with Milner as well, but that isn't officially over the line yet. So, so we'll not talk about that one until it gets done. But Joe Pedro, Mohamed Dahoud, Again, a real sort of stamp of authority from Brighton here. They're looking to get top players in through the door. They've already lost McAllister, probably going to lose Caicedo as well. But you would have to say, a lot of faith being shown into Hood, who has a pretty sketchy injury record. But Joe Pedro, I have, I, I will hold my hands up. I think he is going to be a really, really top striker. It's serious intent from Brighton so early in the window. Um, I even seen today that they were linked with a £55 million move for Jadon Sancho. They can have no bar. Five <laughs> <laughs> million. Work away. But um, yeah, I agree. Joe Pedro, brilliant signing. Thirty million. I think it's going to end up being a bargain. We said it before. He's going. To, in my opinion, he's just a regen Richarlison from Watford, and I think he's really going to kick on for Brighton. And we can't talk enough about the recruitment. So fair play to them. Mohamed Dahoud, as you say, yes, it's a risk, but this is an established European level. Uh, midfielder, he he will walk into the Brighton midfield, um, especially since McAllister has left. Um, by no means am I saying that he's he's filling McAllister's shoes straight away. Um, does look like Casado's going to leave as well. Um, so look, there's not much that I can say about Brighton that I haven't said all season. They know how to recruit. If they feel that these players are good enough to play for them, they're probably. 100% spot on because they don't miss um, so I would say Dahoud and Joe Pedro will really really be ones to watch next year yeah, yeah. definitely like um, Pedro was being linked to I think Newcastle were looking at him last summer yeah uh, they were they were and we've seen how well they are doing so it shows he, he was uh, a good player in the championship last year looking at stats he scored 11 goals um, he's only 21 
and with Brighton as well, as Orton said, their recruitment has been unbelievable. So I can't really doubt them. As you said, though, to Hood, he, I'm looking at his games here. He hasn't played, he's like the most games he played in the season was 23. So he is injury prone. Uh, he played nine games this season. Um, but again, they needed midfielders because they're going to lose, well, they've lost McAllister and they're going to lose Gisedo. But again, under uh, Deserby, like these players will probably just improve and be stars less because any player they seem to have signed in the last few years has just turned into an unbelievable player. So, yeah, again, you can't question them. Yeah, 100%. And look, it looks like they're going to break the bank to sign Colwell as well. Obviously, we'll not talk yeah. too much about that because it, it, it hasn't quite happened yet. But look, I, I, I do think Dehoud's a very talented player. My only issue with it is is literally just that injury record. But yeah. if Brighton feel like they can keep him fit, I do think he will be a very useful asset for Brighton. And as for Pedro, I, I, I've watched Pedro a couple of times and, and he's a really, really talented footballer. Plays with his back to goal, can run into the channels, offers them something different to what Ferguson and Welbeck um, um, offer them. So I, I do think it is an excellent signing on, on Brighton's behalf. Um, so... Really, lads, that's it for the transfers. But there is one more thing that, that I think we have to talk about on this episode. And it is a transfer of sorts. It's a transfer of ownership. Um, of course, big news broke. Um, Qataris submitted their final bid for Manchester United. Um, Jim Ratcliffe, the final bid is in as well. And it seems as though those takeover talks are moving on now because uh, the Rain Group are in strong negotiations with both parties here, trying to get this over the line. It's being rumoured, lads, that the Qatari bid is somewhere in around five and a half billion pounds. It's still not quite meeting the six billion pound mark, but as things stand, as we're recording here, the Qataris are the front runners for Manchester United. So just opening it up, lads, look, personally for myself, I don't think United need to be state owned. That's just my two pence on it. But what do you think then, lads? Were, were, will United be sold before the transfer window opens? I think there will be some before the transfer window opens. Um, I, I don't think Ericsson Hag would be best pleased if it wasn't sold before the transfer window opens because I think we should be... Like, you're looking at the, our rivals, like Liverpool, who are already making big moves. We need to be doing that if we want to be competing because the players we're going to be looking at are the same players that Europe's top teams are going to be looking at. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. we need to be moving fast on transfers like that and this whole saga has really, really hindered that process. And I would say Eric Ten Hag behind the scenes is absolutely fuming. Um, but look, what can you expect from parasite owners who, who stole money from the club since they, they came into it? Um, look, I know it's, it's, not, it's not a good thing to be state-owned. But to be fair, there's no guarantee that's what's going to happen if Shaky Hashim is to come in. Um who knows? It, it is quite likely. Let's be real about it. But oh, it's 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 difficult to talk about this this whole ownership saga at Manchester United because everybody really is just going off a whim. Nobody knows anything apart from everybody that's on the inside. Like we all are reading these rumors that it's done uh, with Qatari. We've read that it's done with uh, Sir Jim Radcliffe, but you know it's not. Do you know what I mean? None of us actually know what's going on, and that's why it's so frustrating as fans. So you can only imagine what it's like for the players and especially the staff at the club. Um, personally, I would prefer Sheikh Yassim's bid 
not necessarily because of the money, but because of what he's offering and the the investment and the infrastructure and full a hundred percent ownership. I just want the Blazers out of Manchester United to be a hundred percent honest. And if that means we have to be state owned, so be it. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. I you know, um I agree about the transfers as well. I think that's one thing that Man United have really struggled with in prior years is just, you know, taking too long to get the players in. We're seeing with Liverpool, we're seeing with Aston Villa, we're seeing with all these other teams, you get the players in early and uh, get a pre-season. Like how we started last year was a disaster. And uh, Ten Hag obviously will be fuming because this sale was meant to be done in March. And now we're still sitting here and we're still waiting. Uh, Yeah, with Radcliffe, it's just... um, I would worry because obviously the Glazers are still going to be involved. I've seen Ornstein uh, was talking about it. Like if they're still involved, they'll only have 20%, but the 20% will be class B shares, which has more, you know, it has more priority over the other ones making decisions and stuff like that. Uh, Will there be enough money to be put into infrastructure to fix the stadium and the training ground as well? Uh, So I think being Qatar owned, yes, obviously being state owned wouldn't be great, but We've seen my man City like the money. You do need to spend money, obviously, to succeed in today's football. So I, th- I think it is necessary. I-, I-, I would worry. I've seen with like Nice there as well, like their captain coming out and just saying, going against uh, Radcliffe, saying the ownership's been terrible. And he's our captain. <laughs> he came out and he was just like, the, the ownership's been terrible. They've brought in these players. It's not worked out. They brought in like Barkley and Ramsey. And it's just been a disaster. They came ninth. There was talk, oh, we're going to get Champions League. And it just hasn't happened for them. So that's where I would be worried about Sir Jim Radcliffe. Um, but it is a hard it is a hard one. Until something actually happens, you can't really, you know, give the full opinion. But it is looking like I know it, that is the annoying thing as well. It's just like there's so much rumors going around Twitter. One minute it's oh Radcliffe's got it, no, no, no doubt about it. And then the next minute it's Qatar. I think the Glazers have kind of played it. Like they want more money off the Qatar bid they've played it like saying oh you know we're gonna go with Sir Jim Radcliffe and they've kind of folded and they've they've given them the six billion so I, I do expect us to be but well, I just I just can't really say anything because we just don't know do we yeah and look that I think that is the the biggest the I think that's the biggest sticking point on 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 the ownership of Manchester United is that even what I've noticed some of the biggest Man United content creators are afraid to come out and say which they prefer um, which I think is quite worrying, and and I understand why maybe why they're not doing that. You know, the the fan base is very split over this. You know, I would say it is very fifty fifty, um, in terms of uh people wanting Blackcliff and then the other fifty percent wanting Qatar. I can see the benefits of both. For me personally, I don't think United need to be state-owned to be successful because I think the club generates enough revenue to be successful without state ownership. And I think with state ownership, there comes a point where you do get challenged on financial fair play. And and, and I don't want that to happen to United because I feel like a lot of those clubs, especially the likes of City, you know, that that is the main thing that you can really have a pop at them for, you know, the fact that these breaches that are still hanging over their head. I I don't want the same thing to be said about Man United, which is why I am a bit sort of... I'm I'm not fully convinced with the the Qatar bid. And again, I do agree with you, Oren, too. I think some of the things that Sheikh Yassim has said, especially about, you know... uh, fixing the stadium and, and, and investing in the training ground. I think it's all, I think it is great to hear a potential owner say those kind of things, but I think it's another thing to actually put that into practice. 
Um, with Jim Ratcliffe, I also agree with you, Connor. I think it is very difficult. Um, I, I think he is in a difficult circumstance where he is going to have to keep the Glazers on until he can buy them out completely. And even then, when he does gather those funds to buy them out completely, will they really want to just walk away? Is the reason why they were so keen on Ratcliffe because they were going to get to stay as uh, Class B share owners? Who knows? For me personally, I, I, I just... I just want the Glazers out. I completely want them out. And, you know, really, that that's that's where my tension lies with the Ratcliffe bid, is that they are going to still be at United in, in some capacity. So, for me, really, it's like, it's the best of a bad bunch. And it's, it's so hard to, it's so hard to know which way to go because there is so much misinformation out there. And there is so much, to, to, to call it really for what it is, there is so much bullshit out there that you don't really know what's what's true what's false and what's right and what's wrong so it is a really difficult situation but but you you do think the club will be sold before the the transfer window lads yeah i think so yeah i'd say in the next two weeks yeah you'd expect it to happen soon well look here's hoping that we do get some news on that and we can report some news on that for for next week well look folks that's going to do it for our first transfer special um of the bottom bins podcast we're going to be keeping you up to date all over the summer on the biggest transfers the biggest rumors what's going on in the world of football we're going to do sort of like a headline roundup as well with, with each of our episodes so stay tuned for that over the summer as always you can find us on the parlay sports app that's prly sports on the apple app store where you can jump in and join the footballing conversation as always, you can follow us at Bottom Bins Pod, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Plenty of content up there at the minute and plenty of good content coming in the next few weeks. And as always, keep a bottom bins. Keep a bottom bins. Bottom bins.